0: frank it's episode 191 which you know what that means uh no it's actually
1: doesn't mean anything is that a prime number it's it kind of smells like a prime number is, is, is it prime
0: day is that what we're doing no it's not amazon prime day is 191 a prime number and google says sorry DuckDuckGo says it uh, is the uh, natural number following 190 and proceeding that's a the wikipedia page Literally says that it's the natural number following one hundred and ninety. Uh, <laughs> you know, prime, it's prime, a... it's prime, it's prime. Okay, prime. good, good. I was going to say there was a point in my life where I knew what a
1: natural number was, <laughs> but well, this, uh,
0: great. <laughs> this is cool. Check this out. It says in mathematics, one hundred ninety-one is an odd number, centered nineteen gonal number, deficiency number as one is less than one hundred ninety-one. It's a lazy ca- caterer, an mm. ominous number, a prime number. Uh, is a square free number is a fabit number is an undulting number and is the smallest Ooh. positive integer d such that ah. the imaginary quadric field q which is the prime of negative d has class number equal to 13 there's your 191 facts
1: class number 13 baby uh that's that's auspicious that's about as auspicious as it gets <laughs> Um, But I think you were leading up to something else. And I think that it's my fault because last week we punted a little bit. We were supposed to have lightning rounds last week, but I budged in and said, James, I released an app. I want to do an episode about my app. Uh, So I owe everyone a lightning talks round. And here we go with episode 191, the auspicious 191.
0: That's correct. And we had a whole week since we recorded last week to ask people for they're lightning topics, and we did it five minutes before we recorded, but we got some amazing entries from uh, Jeremy Sinclair, uh, Eric, uh, Eric Loeb Dell, Brad, Danny Ackerman, and of course a bunch of great people in our Discord chat, which you know we're not very active on, but we love going in there once every 10 episodes and looking at lightning topics. It helps. And in fact, well, we actually have another lightning topic like round from Danny just on Electric Topics for next week. So I'm very excited about that.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, we were pretty quick and just saying, hey, we're going to record in about five minutes. Uh, Please send us your topics. But y'all came through. These are some great topic ideas came up. We had to pick and choose between all the wonderful ideas. I hope you like our selection. And uh, I I figured we've been doing a lot of electronics episodes. So we'll, we'll wait to do that one, not this week
0: <laughs> yeah not this week well let's kick it off this one is near and dear to my heart which is yaml yet another markdown language
1: markup language markup whatever language? Mark- markup yaml I,
0: whatever who cares yeah
1: yaml it's another json another xml which is another text file <laughs>
0: oh you know what it doesn't uh, even count for- it's yaml yaml ain't markup language that's what it is oh look at you Nice.
1: Okay, good with the quick Googling. Um, So I don't actually, I think, I wanted to say I'm lucky I don't deal with YAML. But at the same time, I like the principles of YAML. Like markdown, I think it's trying to be a very terse syntax. And when you do a lot of JSON and XML, you can kind of appreciate the terse syntax. I think where YAML goes wrong is when it's so terse that it's hard to see the structure of the files or everyone puts their configurations into yaml files and they become ungodly scripting files and they've just been abused to weird extents but i don't think that's really yaml's fault that's our fault
0: yeah i mean when when people say oh talk about yaml i guess the context is what part of yaml because i could comment on yaml like oh cool it's a, it's a markup language i also like markdown languages and 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 there's a bunch of libraries and a bunch of languages. So like, if you want a markup language, then this is one that a lot of things use. But I think that probably people are curious for me on my end, what I'm curious about is in the kind of DevOps world, YAML taking over the world with Azure DevOps, with Bitrise, with GitHub Actions, and there being YAML-y YAMLs everywhere.
1: Yeah, um, I, that that's my only exposure to it, is in DevOps. <laughs> I've otherwise avoided it. I think it's entered into the web dev world, too. They got tired of JSON, so a lot of YAML out there. Um, I'm mostly okay with it. I, um, I generally avoid it. I tend to use web UIs, but in the case of GitHub Actions, I edit the YAML file by hand, like a hacker, and... <laughs> I find it's mostly tolerable, but I get really lost in whether something is like dash key name, colon value, or there's all sorts of escape things to do like multi-line stuff. I can never tell if I'm making an array or a dictionary, like a dictionary of an array or an array of dictionary. I would not know how to do either one of those. And I would just run away in fear. Oh, you know what? Do they have those like schema generators you know how you can like dump in a bunch of json and they generate like some c sharp code for you do they have those for yaml
0: i don't know i i'd have to assume they would uh, in general sort of like a c sharp to json file you could just plop it in there that'd be nifty uh i, I you know i guess i don't really see the advantage of a, of using yaml as a data structure though i mean json is pretty minimal i don't know how even more minimal you need to get you might as well go binary at that point with like a grpc call i don't think you're (laughs) winning anything over that i believe the idea though of what you're saying is that you are really defining these flows in code uh in code and i think that's important it's a declarative way of doing it compared to the the gui interface now i i hate i hate yaml i'm just not a fan of yaml now that said, I don't I don't mind YAML. I guess what I do is I hate YAML as being the only input mechanism for generating a pipeline. And that is because of what you just said. I don't know the syntax. I know I don't know to use this versus this version, your inputs, your tabs, your your spaces, your things. What I want is a GUI version that generates the markdown that I can either edit the YAML, because sometimes it's nice to have the YAML checked into source code, but also have the GUI editor side by side that are in sync with it. Because checking into source code means that if you're in a branch, you can tweak it and then kick off your pipeline. That's very, very nice. That's my favorite part of it. My actual issue it is, is the creation of the YAML without knowing anything about every single different step.
1: Yeah, but it's better than all those quotes and trying to remember that the last comma is not allowed in JSON. I I debate whether remembering whether dashes are arrays or dictionaries, trying to remember that comma. But you nailed it. Uh, GUIs that generate or operate on human-readable text files are pretty much the epitome of software development tools, because then we get best of both worlds. We get Git and we get GUIs. Perfect.
0: Perfect. Well, on that topic, Git GUI versus Git CLI for merge conflicts go bam
1: okay so this came up recently with me um i merge conflict myself and this is (laughs) this is you know a single dev how do you get merge conflicts well james storyboards these are Mm. uneditable files and so i ran into the unfortunate case where most merge conflicts i think um github's pretty good at uh handling when you have a pr and someone's not keeping it in sync with master or whatever they're trying to push it up to. Uh, GitHub does a great job of doing that quick little merge for you so you don't have to worry about it. But every so often that merge conflict comes in and I, I fail every time. I wish I had a good tool for this. And I know other people have good tools. But specifically for me, I use the Open Diff program that's built into Mac operating system. It's a really gorgeous diffing tool. And with that, I can usually pick out uh, what things I want to do to a file. But honestly, I need to up my game here. I need a better uh, merge conflict resolution diffing tool.
0: So, man, what did I... I used to use WinMerge, I think. WinMerge. I'm pretty sure that that is... When I used to do TFS, in Visual Studio, you could do... Is it WinMerge? Please be still a thing. Oh, it is. WinMerge.org. Nice. Um, this used to be my, uh, merging tool of choice. Now I don't actually, I assume it works with Git and all the things inside of it, but inside of visual studio, you could say, use Git merge as my merging tool. And I use this at Canon for many a moons. Uh, and it was quite fantastical and merge. It's a great WinForms looking application. Uh, and I don't know how, when the last time it was updated. Oh, not too bad. 2019. That's cool. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I will say now I do all of my diffing in the browser. Just oh, um you mean GitHub or you mean something else? GitHub browser. Just when you when there's there's two options here. If GitHub can there's three things that happens. You're right. If GitHub can merge, it does a pretty good job. If it can't, it gives you the option to um Resolve your conflicts in browser, which is very nice. It's just an editable side by side. Very, very good. Shows you the different endpoints there. If I can't do it there, for some reason, sometimes GitHub is like, I I can't, too far gone, too far gone. So then I go into Visual Studio, I pull down, run the commands that GitHub tells me to to do. And then I I open Notepad. I just edit it right in Notepad, just like an animal, sometimes VS Code. Uh, and then you just have to know the the different heads or whatnot that, that you're putting it. But that's that's literally how I use. I don't use Git GUI. I don't use Git CLI. I use either the browser or or um, or or <laughs> <Yeah>. or Notepad.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that, that's fair. That's fair. Um, that browser get is uh, that browser diff is pretty good, yeah. but I noticed it had one big problem, and this came up with the storyboard. I don't want to go line by line hand-merging a storyboard file, I want two giant buttons at the top. Except mine, except theirs. You know, whatever. Except the push, except whatever. The established one. And for some reason, the GitHub UI didn't have those two buttons. They seem like pretty obvious buttons to me. And so I discovered Git. You learn something every day. So here's my public uh, PSA for the day. Git checkout dash dash ours, versus git checkout dash dash theirs. So if you're ever in a rebase or you're trying to do some kind of merge or something, you can always use those to just accept or throw away a file whole cloth. And this works out great when you're doing like images or storyboard or giant XML files that aren't YAML and just aren't merging that well. So those are my new commands of the week. Get checkout ours and get checkout theirs.
0: Love them. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, um, I honestly think that you would probably like this WinMerge application. I don't think it's on Mac. It is open source, so that's really cool. Uh, I, it really is exactly what you want because it's it's like next line, next line, except left to right. It's once you do it once, it's it's pretty fantastical. But I haven't used it in many, many years. But uh, it's a great you know, tool.
1: I forgot to say also, you said VS Code, and I love VS Code's merge conflict stuff, actually. So the stuff built into them, uh, by default, uh, just hit code space dot, hit enter, and it comes up, it reads your Git, sees what state the uh, merge is in.
0: Oh, I guess I've Great never stuff. used it. I guess I've never oh, done it's that.
1: really good. Yeah, try it out. <laughs>
0: okay. Try it out. <laughs> I, in fact, you know, I'm actually looking at the Git GUIs there's a whole, there's like so many web clients, tree tortoise, I used to use tortoise git back in the day. There's all these things in here. I guess, yeah, I guess my GUI is the, is the website. Oh, there's a whole uh, mobile app. Crazy. <laughs> there are several mobile apps. Yeah. Wow. Um, these bananas.
1: Yeah. This is why I said I got to up my game a little bit because I just haven't been paying attention to the state of the art. What's out there like today.
0: Just, just don't have any conflicts. Problem solved. Um <laughs> there you go <laughs> no
1: conflicts well that's a great segue into our next topic james let's talk about blazer blazer everyone's everyone's favorite new uh i almost said web framework i'm just gonna say ui framework because oh dear my oh dear me it's taking over the.net world you can't go talk to anyone without hearing the words so we're going to talk about it for five minutes. Go, James. Talk about it.
0: <laughs> well, the question is, which, which blazer do you want to talk about? The stable stuff or the soon-to-be stable stuff or the experimental stuff?
1: I'll be so honest. The thing started out in such a funny way that I haven't kept track of what is stable and what's not. So how about you just give us a quick rundown on what is stable and what's not?
0: So Blazor, it's a single-page app framework for your, your ASP.net core applications. That's really what it is. Right. And it leverages razor files, which is, uh, HTML plus razor syntax to do inline code in a single file or multiple files. You can do whatever you want. Um, and it has a component model, so you can have components that are composable, things like that, um, which is very nice. You can have classes, you can use your CSS. If you're a web developer, everything I just said makes sense. If you're a Xamarin developer and never did web development like myself, then everything is very confusing uh, Mm -hmm. because it's web. Um,
1: Uh, If I may interject, go ahead. I think
0: that although it is web, it is very much HTML and
1: very much old PHP kind of stuff. Uh, It does have this wonderful component architecture that you mentioned, which creates this uh, React style, functional style. Of programming where you have a source of data it generates a ui any time you change that data it changes the ui that or it regenerates the ui but it's smarter than that and only you know sends over the deltas so it's actually efficient so it's just a nice clean way to design apps it's it's a good architecture
0: it's very very cool i really really like it and in fact coming from the mobile side to website it's it's much more friendlier to me than maybe going into a full MVC architecture or something completely foreign, like React or Vue or something like that, uh, or Angular. Uh, now, I will say that we Definitely there's... not Angular. No, <laughs> I won't allow it chains. I won't allow <laughs>
1: you to. <laughs> friends don't let friends program Angular.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so what's stable today as of February, um, when we're recording this, or March when this comes out, would be Blazor server, which means that... Your your C so the whole idea of Blazor is that you can run C sharp and just write C sharp and not have to write JavaScript. You can interrupt if you need to, but the goal is that you can write one plus one equals two and it will output and it will run your dotnet code in the in the browser of sorts in many ways. So Blazor server will run your code, but it executes your uh, C sharp .NET code on the server and it handles UI diffs over SignalR basically. It does a chat that way. That is stable. So if you were building an application and it does scale very well, and you know, you I don't know, it has magical shadow dummy things or whatever. I don't know how it works, magic, not a web developer. Um, you can do that. I think that is for any sort of application. And then there is Blazor WebAssembly, Oh, May I interject
1: yes yeah, i would ahead. just like to give my props there as the author of another ui library that does a similar little trick uh it's a fantastic way to program it, it, it gives a real native feel to programming on otherwise really annoying web connection <laughs> so I, i'm a big fan of that aspect of it too um yeah the 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 client-server model should be just a little private communications channel, not sending HTML every time someone clicks a button.
0: Yeah. I'm not actually sure how everything works behind the scenes, but it all just it just magically works. Magic. Right? Magic. Blazer sockets. magic. The, the internet's built on sockets. Mm-hmm. So uh, then there's Blazor WebAssembly, which is different. This is running everything in the browser. You can be disconnected from the internet. Nothing's required at all and that's running in in mono interpreter right for
1: now but the the aot is coming so the same Mm -hmm. technology we use for iphones will be coming so that you can have smaller and faster apps too but honestly you're just building a crud app (laughs) so it doesn't really matter just run with the interpreter
0: and I, uh, this is what I just shipped. I shipped an admin application for the Hanselman Forms uh, mobile app. So it allows me to um, like upload photos to Blob Storage. It allows me to add and update, do CRUD operations, literally on featured articles for the <laughs> application. And I wanted that to use Twitter authentication. It does that all from. WebAssembly, and I wanted no server costs. That's my big goal of, of this. So everything's Azure Functions and everything's WebAssembly oh. and mobile apps. So that's my architecture.
1: Congratulations there. That's pretty cool because now we're treading into like you're almost a native app. It's kind of a fun area to have um, th- these WebAssembly apps. It's really crossing the line of what kind of app are you? And the question doesn't even make any sense anymore and i'll stop asking it i guess
0: (laughs) yeah i mean and the cool part here is like if that's your use case there's going to be definitely some restrictions on what WebAssembly can do or can't do i assume there's some magical thing it can't interpret right um there's that or or like you know where do you put your tokens and security stuff like you you don't want yeah there's some things to think about based on those two architectures but for me it it made a lot of sense to to do it in the WebAssembly part
1: yeah absolutely um i think it's a fantastic technology again as a developer of a similar library it's fantastic speaking of fantastic technologies that i know absolutely nothing about james what's android x i've heard this term people keep talking about it xamarin just announced support for it or something i don't know catch I'm glad, me up
0: please <laughs> i'm glad that frank here has kept us on on time uh because i could have talked about we probably need to do a full episode on blazer and have somebody on yeah yeah we should we should
1: that. i've actually talked about it in the past i've said let's do a blazer episode and you're like it's too big i'm like well then we gotta do it
0: okay gotta all right so android x android x android x okay so you know android support libraries yes no maybe so Yes, I detest
1: them because I was trying to do a new build of iCircuit for Android recently, and none of those things are working, and I probably need your help holding my hand again.
0: Probably. So Android support libraries uh, are everyone's pain in the behind, but they enable new features of Android to work on older devices. It's very, very genius, but there's a lot of sort of restrictions there's versions of them you need to be building and compiling it's a specific version of android blah 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 so android x part of the android jetpacks um, series android x says let's get rid of support libraries Hmm, that sounds like a good idea right frank okay you had me uh, get rid of but let's get rid of them but replace them with a hundred different libraries in X, So let's take the existing ones and let's split them up into even smaller, minuscule, smaller packages. not a hundred, maybe there's 50.
1: Oh but- no, they're doing this again? They did this before. This is the last time my support libraries got messed up when they split a couple of them into a few pieces. So now yep. they, they just exploded into a billion. Are, are they just like, do they see Ruby and JavaScript and they're like, I'm jealous. I need more packages. We need more packages.
0: (laughs) Well, you you hit the nail on the head right there, because the problem is they were splitting them. They were combining everything into mega packages. So they split them based on a version of Android they support. And then at some point that didn't make any sense. And they're really like, why are we shipping these as bundle packs? Let's split every feature into its own library, which kind of makes sense. Kind of.
1: Okay. Uh, Except for casual programmers that don't know what stupid ontology someone came up with for grouping things this time. You know, you got to put something into a category. You're going to come up with some idiotic decision that makes sense on that day and is not going to make sense in five days. Don't put things in boxes, people.
0: Keep them out of the boxes. (laughs) So they, they have split them all up and there's a bunch of them. that 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 do make sense they make logical sense like here's the browser one here's this other one blah 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 um the difference is that all the namespaces are different so there's like problems you know you got backwards compatibility what if older libraries are using support libraries but you've upgraded to android x and you'll need to upgrade to android x because they're no longer updating support libraries and they're all moving to android x so okay hold on sorry
1: If I have an ancient old Android phone, maybe like 4.2, isn't that like a classic old ancient version? Um, Can that run Android X apps?
0: So Android X, I believe, has a minimum maybe 4.4. I don't know. That's like 99% of all phones probably at this point. Okay, but it's back in the four range. It's way back then. I'm pretty sure. It's either. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So they are going far back. Okay. Yep. And it's really just the existing functionality, but split up. So they did that. Now, Android Studio for Java and Kotlin developers has an auto-migrate tool. And like, there's a bunch of stuff you need to change up and down, things like that. Um, the Xamarin team also has a migration tool. What the cool part that the Xamarin team did is that you can have this migration package. And what it will do is it will look at any of your existing uh, NuGet dependencies. And without you updating your code or your packages, it will swizzle. I'm I like, I'm just going to use the word swizzle because I like <laughs> I love I love swizzle. We should have a lightning topic on swizzling, but it swizzles your source code and it updates all of your old code at build time with the new namespaces. Like it's crazy. Um, so if you don't wow. want to migrate and change like your namespace, it'll just do it for you at build time until you actually do it. And that's nice because let's say you're using Facebook, but Facebook hasn't updated their SDK to target Android X, it will work seamlessly still. It, it's it's magic. It's I have no idea how they did it, but it's magic.
1: Oh, interesting. Um, do the same Nougats work with Android X and normal um, Xamarin Android? So like a Nougat could come in, but perhaps not actually support Android X?
0: Yeah, so that's what this migration swizzling does.
1: Gotcha. Interesting. Okay, that's a little scary. I think I would force myself to upgrade to Android X to make sure I don't have to deal with that slizzling stuff.
0: Yeah, you have a, a long ways to do it. So Xamarin Forms and Xamarin Essentials, um, right now, are, are look. Are, I, I don't know when this episode is coming out, but it may already be out. But four point five and one point five will basically have an Android X dependency, and use the migration tool based on like what you're compiling against. And, and what we're saying is like, Hey, it's a good time to start migrating and then all new templates and everything will just do it for you. So if you file new, it'll just work out of the box. But for like the next year, it's going to kind of stink because you might have old libraries and are they going to update and blah, blah, blah. So unfortunately this isn't a, this is an Android everybody issue and, um, thanks Google. So what are you going to (laughs) do?
1: companies love renaming things like jeepers creepers people stability it's all i want in things speaking of stability let's talk about dot net five james something new and shiny (laughs) (laughs) there is no stability in our careers our industry is terrible (sighs) squirrel (laughs) It's, it's ever evolving Frank it is ever that's evolving. what it is. I'm enthusiastic. I'm positive.net five. I am especially interested in.net five because I was telling the story of my app last week and I mentioned that I ran into this piece of code that wasn't working with mono. while well, I was told by all the mono devs, you just wait Frank Krueger until dotnet five and then and then all this code will magically work. So that piqued my interest. I said, well, maybe there is something to this.net five. Are you at all interested in it, James?
0: Uh, I mean, to me, what I believe is really, really nice about .NET 5 is I'll stop getting the questions like, is Xamarin going to support .NET Core or should I wait for .NET Core support or something like that? It's just runtimes. And ideally, just everything is now the same and we're all good. Everything is, you stop getting those types of questions, um, which I think will be nice. So uh, from marketing, branding, you're just happy
1: that we can just say it's .dotnet five people. That's it. It's .dotnet.
0: It's .dotnet. Ah. Uh, now from a from a runtime, you know, I had never really run into an issue that you had. Uh, I mean, I probably have, but there were probably workarounds for it. But I think it is nice that the it's exact rare. same, yeah, exact same core CLR will just be there. So it is rare, but for those rarities, I guess it's really important.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I was thinking about it. We're actually in such a good state right now compared to five, six years ago with .NET standard and especially .NET standard two. Um, surprising most libraries on NuGet work on iOS and Android now. Yeah. That was not the case <laughs> like not too many years ago and nothing worked on iOS and uh, Android. But now we're in a good state and .dotnet 5 is just promising to take that good state and merge it all into an even better, better state, something like that. Um, so, so, yeah, those, those cases were rare. Thankfully, Mono had come a very long ways over the last 20 years, but uh, they still existed. So great.
0: Yeah, I think I think that what you just said is is very uh, accurate and what I'm really excited for, because, yeah, and and there's so many new libraries that are coming out, especially from like the ASP.net team and like the Azure teams. And it may just make testing everything a lot easier too, because if it's supported then it's supported and there's no quirks between the different platforms. So that'll be nice. Um, and that, 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 that will, I think be very, very nice for library creators and for app developers too. I also hope that the CS projects are all standardized, and maybe multi targeting for <laughs> app developers is a lot nicer. So, to me, it's a lot of I really hope that this all becomes equal a- across all the different platforms, and that'll just be nice. That'll be a nicety instead yeah. of having a different platforms doing different things.
1: Yeah, uh, just in case uh, a listener doesn't know what's going on, under .NET 5 is, you can generally think of it as merging all the libraries together, so just one set of libraries called core effects, but then having two runtimes, um, the .NET Core runtime, which is everyone's favorite uh, Definitely for web stuff, and then Mono, which runs on every device ever created by any human being. It's the ultra portable version of .NET, and so you have these two runtimes. And so it's and even on top of that, uh, the Mono runtime just got merged into the .NET org or the Foundation org. It got merged into some repo, meaning that um, when people are working on .NET Core or vice versa, working on Mono, they can make sure that the two projects stay in sync, that the two runtimes don't diverge from each other. So mm. that's just great news.
0: That is super nice. I do like that. Yeah. I think all all positive things. It'll be a fascinating transition time, I guess, you know, but oh All all transitions have their hiccups, but, you know,
1: (laughs) we got through .NET standard pretty smoothly, so I have faith. I have faith that we've learned how to version libraries at this point, and we're not going to make any crazy cross-platform
0: mistakes. (laughs) Have a little faith in the .NET team.
1: (laughs) I totally have faith. Speaking of having faith in technology, James, someone wrote in and said they're thinking about some tech Detox. Hmm. I don't I don't know. I'm I don't know what this word means. I know what it means. It means like going out into the forest or just living your life without technology for a while. And I don't know. That sounds old fashioned and primitive. What do you think?
0: We talked about smartphone detox that I was going through before.
1: Sure. It's still technology, but okay. You're backing off. You're lowering on the sophistication
0: and um, dopamine hit rate. And and that's still going well. I have reduced a lot of the apps that are on my phone. I, I only install things when I need it. I use you know, websites when I need to and not install apps um, as much. Um, you know, If I don't need them as soon as I'm done, I kind of um, just delete them. I'm very happy that Uh, Office has merged all of their apps into one app. That's very nice. Um, So I no longer have like (laughs) Word, Excel, PowerPoint, it's just one app. Um, But yeah, for me, we were just out on holiday out on the Oregon coast. And Heather actually had a good point, which was maybe coming out to the coast once a year and then having different themes, like maybe one is um, turn cell phone off. Like you know, like hey, we're gonna turn cell phones off for the weekend, unless we need to drive somewhere or you know use some GPS. We're not animals, but um, you know, just turn GPS off, or maybe there's hey, we're going to um just kind of chill on the beach in the hotel and do things that we both individually like. So a really relaxing weekend. So maybe I'll play video games or read a book or, you know, she'll read books or whatever, or something like that, where we're not, we're not on our phones, but we're doing other things. So I did say playing games like that would be tech, but it's (laughs) things of your enjoyment that are, um, non-cell phone related. Cause I think once you're in the cell phone, it's very close and you're, I don't know, there's like a negative connotation with it nowadays, but complete tech detox. Like there's the Like Fireside Camp. Have you heard of that where you pay to go do a digital detox or whatever and you just go into the woods? I guess you could just go into the woods, right? You could just do that, Frank. You just go and wander. Yeah. Okay. So
1: um, I was making a little bit of fun in the beginning. But the truth is I don't have any problem detoxing. I, I rather enjoy it. Uh, I literally will go camping in the woods not bring a charger for my phone because I don't care. I'm a little bit worried like a lion might eat me. And I would like to tweet about it while it's happening. But you know, (laughs) pros and cons. Um, you, You give me two days and I really have forgotten what the phone is for and what its meaning is. That said... I I leave camping and I open Twitter. I'm like, oh yeah, dopamine hits. Love this, <laughs> but um, I d- I just don't have that problem. Um, I love technology, but I think my whole life I've found a way to come to a happy compromise with it, and that involves just not caring about it when I don't care about it. I yeah. guess I'm lucky. I have that relaxation ability.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and and if you don't, then you can put in some sort of guidelines like I have my buddy Danny him and his family they do um after basically at starting at dinner it's no cell phones for x amount of hours like after dinner and they do family time and so might be like two or three hours and because he's got a bunch of kids but they 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 have a little basket where they all put their cell phones and there's chargers in it for all of them you know and they put it in there um you know Things like that are good ideas. I mean, the problem I have with like saying oh, what I want to do a detox, like, let's say we go on a hike, me and you or like, let's do a technology detox on this hike. Like we totally could, but then what if I want to take a photo? Like any part of that could be technology, which would be, um, a cell phone or a camera or my drone, right? All those would be fun to do. It's more of what I've been trying to do is just keep my cell phone in my pocket until I really need it. Cause let's say you're hiking, maybe don't hike and be on your cell phone at the same time. Like I've done in the past and almost fallen and kill myself. So don't do that, but that that could be something. So I, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to see what our listeners have done. You know, are we on the right, I don't even know if we're answering the question, to be honest with you. We're
1: answering it the way we answer it. And oh my God, people hiking while talking on the phone are hilarious to me. Coming down the hill, talking on the phone. You can hear them from like two miles away because you're on a mountain in a valley. You can hear everything. Why would you do that? I would rebel so much against Danny's rules. I love Danny, but wow, I do not deal well with rules, especially if someone's trying to limit a freedom of mine. That would not be acceptable. I would be the uh, grunge kid dyeing their hair black in that household. <laughs> but, um, of course, it's it's never easy. And um, I don't detox, but like uh, as far as distractions and things like that, I do block Twitter um, when I'm working in the office. If I want to access it, I have to go to my phone or something like that. And I find that's just combating that stupid part of your brain that just wants that little dopamine hit and keeps getting distracted every time you see a progress bar
0: yeah what i do is i put my phone on do not disturb all the time and then i just don't get disturbed by anything uh notifications (laughs) are evil um you want to turn those off as much as humanly possible and uh, just delete social media apps that's really half the battle i think is is I haven't used Twitter on my phone. I mean, I have the website, right? But it, it's not a great experience. So you end up kind of using it less. Um, and that's just one way if you're like, I just kind of want to use Twitter less then I don't know, just use it I less I tried than.
1: that. Didn't I work? I tried that. By the way, this last week, I uh, I uninstalled the Twitter app, not this last, whatever. Um, I uninstalled the app and forced myself to use the webpage. And, you know, it's usable. And like you said, it's just annoying enough that you don't want to use it. Um, but after a week, I feel like I had served my penance and I was allowed to install the app again, but (laughs) I think, (laughs) so it was, it was successful to some degree because yes, it was so annoying that I didn't want to check Twitter that often. Um, so that, that is a good little trick if you don't want to completely remove it from your life. Yeah. Hmm.
0: I think there's a bunch of these little things that you can do and I don't know, know, Uh, at the same point, you know, my cell phone it does a lot of other things besides that. Like i listen to music. i listen to podcasts. And I don't think that's bad. I'm at Summer comes. It's not bad. It's okay. Yeah.
1: You know, and and you hit a sore spot there with, uh, one of your mentions. Um, I, I hiked up a mountain once and I carried my drone up. It's a very, it's it's not that heavy, but you know, it adds weight and mountains are tall and heavy. (laughs) Mountains Mm -hmm. are heavy. Turns out. (laughs) Yeah. And I got dirty looks from one person at the top because I wanted to fly my drone. I'm like, you know, I carry this stupid thing up. We're literally the only two people up on this mountain. It's a quiet little drone. Don't give me these dirty looks. I think it is that whole um, Luddite, we're back to nature BS kind of stuff. I'm like, no, I want to experience this forest the way I want to experience this forest. People, get off my drone.
0: (laughs) And I think as long as you're being respectful... Um, when doing it, I was recently doing this, I was doing a hike out in, out in Oregon and I brought my Mavic mini and we got to the the top and, and there's a lot of, we read lots of articles cause I wasn't sure where I could fly. So we're reading lots of articles and people being upset. And, and to me, it's just like, okay, well, it's the same as like when someone takes a photo, but like you're in the photo and you're not, you're like, I don't know that person, but they're just like taking a photo of the surrounding place. They're not trying to take a photo of you, but you're in their photo. and I'm like, okay, well, how is that any different than me flying my drone up and then taking a photo here? Because it is zero difference. Maybe the noise complaint could be something or, but, but besides that, like I'm going to be pretty respectful and it's going to be loud for like one second and I'm going to fly off. Right. Um, I I don't know. I I guess as I fly my drone more, I guess I'm, uh, you know, the, the drone people are like, yeah, you don't mess with my drone, you know? Um, but (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of pro, but I think you have to be respectful and you have to not, um, uh, you have to be smart where you're flying. Like don't fly close to people in general, especially if they're like rock climbing or something. But besides that, I think it you, you should be able to enjoy it. Just like someone took a photo and was enjoying it, you know? Yeah, I agree. And actually, I was very polite. I
1: even waited to launch until they had descended the peak. I waited until they all left. Wow. And in my defense, they had this barking dog the entire time. It was 10 times louder than my tiny little drone that you could hear for five seconds.
0: It's the same with people. that dogs, the, people. <laughs> they're annoying. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it was, yeah, that's very true. And crying babies and, and everything like that. But <laughs> um, we have a neighbor that moved in recently with crying baby. And, and oh, I had you had to knock on some doors because it was it was just yelling all, at all hours. I was that person. This I said, I don't want to be that is... just going. I don't want to be that person. Don't wanna I don't want to be I don't want to be yeah. that person that knocks on your neighbor's door. It's like, hey, listen, your kid's being a little loud, but also live in an apartment complex. Just saying. Ah. <laughs> uh, And it's one in the morning and this child is like, why? Just go look at that. child." I don't have a child. I don't know. Maybe children scream at all hours of the day. And I don't know. But um, how did our lightning talk
1: episode turn into two old grumpy men complaining about the weather?
0: Back in my days. No, uh, pretty much. It
1: started so good. We were talking about Git and Blazer. (laughs) And now we're just we're just like the world's hard or it's hard James.
0: <laughs> you know I'm turning 34 this year. It's uh you know, it's uh all downhill
1: after thinking that, about so. things. It is all technically downhill, but that actually started around like 19, I think. <laughs> like oh, that no. our physical peak. <laughs> 21 maybe.
0: down d- 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 20 uh, me. May- I yeah, thought maybe it was I would 25. say
1: early 20s. I'd say earlier. 25 year olds have bad knees in fighting at least. That's you want to be 21 and younger. <laughs> What about gymnastics? They're all like 12. (laughs)
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm old. Yeah. Oh, well, (sighs) there is an episode. What do you like an episode? Head to MergeConflict.fm. Let us know how much you loved or hated this episode. You probably didn't even make it to the end anyways. But if you did, uh, I'm pretty sure you loved it. So let us know. Uh, You can tweet at us at proclarum at James Montemagno, at MergeConflict.fm. That's going to do it. So until next time. That's Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And
1: I'm Frank Ruger. Thanks for listening. Peace.